Welcome to Emotional Intelligence at Work, brought to you by Genos International. We are well and truly into the silly season, a time for most that is exciting, fun and positive, but also a time for some that are at their busiest, trying to handle all our excitement and demands, such as frontline workers in hospitality and retail. On an individual level, there's also those in the community that might be grieving, lonely or sad. Today's episode of AI at Work explores the different experiences of the festive period and how we can all make it a little easier for those that may be struggling at this time. I'm Marielle Daggle, and joining me and my co-host, Dr. Ben Palmer, is Christine Rumble. Christine is an executive coach with extensive experience in hospitality, including 10 years with hotel group Accor. So passionate about the industry, she even purchased a hospitality business in Western Australia that she runs with her husband. She's a very busy woman, and we're thrilled to have her on the show. Hi, Christine. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Thanks for having me. And hello, Ben. Good to see you again. Hi, Marie. It's great to be here with you for the last episode of the year. And thank you, Christine, for being here with us to talk about um, a timely topic, I think, for this time of the year. A timely topic indeed. Um, We're talking about the festive season and how it ain't so festive for everybody, Uh, not just from an individual point of view where, for example, someone at Christmas lunch may actually be grieving and going through a tough time. Maybe they lost a loved one. And certainly from an industry or a work point of view, there's people who are working some really long hours with some really rushed, stressed out people or people on holiday. So indeed, there's people in retail and hospitality that will be putting up with quite a bit this season. Ben, you were mentioning that there was a report into the levels of abuse in retail. Yes, the uh, union that looks after retail workers recently was on the radio and doing the rounds of the report, talking about the levels of abuse, be it physical abuse or psychological abuse in the forms of abusive language, things like that, that occur in our retail shops. And um, Christine, I think my first question that I wanted to explore with you, given your history and experience in hospitality and in retail, is the festive season a time when you think these kind of events with the public, as in their misbehaviour towards either retail or hospitality staff, go up? Or does it happen at the same sort of levels right throughout the year, do you think? I think it happens throughout the year, but it intensifies over school holiday periods, and of which Christmas is one of them. Um, There's an increase of volume of people over a sort of holiday period. So that's what makes it even seem like it's even worse because it's a barrage one after the other after the other, rather than being the odd event, so so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. I was certainly on a flight the other day and somebody didn't get the seat they wanted and uh, there was a bit of hostility around that. Absolutely. I think this year in particular, I wonder whether it might be acute because of cost of living pressures and uh, you know just some of the other sort of crazy things that are going on with that in communities. Yeah, and I also think that um, more and more parents are working and don't spend high volume time with their children. And over school holidays, they're day in, day out, 24 hours with their children. And that sometimes creates all sorts of different stresses that 
um, they're not used to. And so they're dealing with the holiday period, economic situation. Their children are running right because they are looking for something <laughs> to do. They're home. They're not at school. And, and so that pressure just builds up and builds up. And sometimes it is released on, on the people that are serving them. Mm. It'll make no surprise, I think, to our audience that obviously competencies of emotional intelligence like being self-aware, being empathetic, being able to positively influence the emotions of others are important to the quality of interactions that you have with retail or hospitality staff. But in your experience, Christine, I was wondering whether you could break it down a little bit for us. What are some of those micro moments or those micro EI type behaviours that people in hospitality and retail should demonstrate and do demonstrate when they do those roles well that reduce the potential for this kind of conflict? Yeah. Do any come to mind? Yeah, look, right from the first greeting, so when the person walks in the door, whether we're talking before, whether it's retail or even in hospitality, that meet and greet, that first engagement, has is there a smile on their face? Are they acknowledging people when they walk in the door? Are they making them feel welcomed? That's the very first thing. But from a, an employee perspective, back of house relationship with front of house will impact that first relationship as well. So if the employees are coming to work and they're having conflict within their own team, and then they've got to go out and face that customer, are they actually of the right frame of mind to be able to welcome, to smile and feel good? So it's one of those vicious cycles. It's got to happen at every little touch point of that employee journey so that they can really ensure that the customer journey is a great one as well. It's surely got to be one of the most difficult tasks of all time, right? I don't know. I think about being on all the time in a hospitality role where I'm customer facing and I always have to be on emotionally, mentally prepared to deal with anything that comes my way. I mean, in an office job, you have the opportunity to go for a walk, have a breather, sit down, hide behind an email, and you're not talking to people as often. Hmm. So is this something that they're trained to do from the get-go? Yeah, and it is something that's trained right from the beginning of hospitality Mm -hmm. is that you have to be on all the time. But also it's really important for employers to recognise that during this busy time, breaks are really, really important. So, you know, there is breaks scheduled according to award conditions, but in this particular part time where there is that intense stress and pressure, giving people that opportunity to get away from that front of house and take yeah. a breather out the back and then come back out and have that smile on the face is really, really important. And it's important for employees to recognise that when they need a break to take one because they can't deliver the best possible service if they're feeling uh, overwhelmed. What is the what is the break that they're supposed to get? Well, it depends on the award that they're under. There is a 10-minute um, break that's uh, within the first five-hour period. As I said, different awards, different things. And then after five-hour, they're entitled to a half-hour break. So, you know, it's important to have those minor breaks along the way and not just um, structure it according to the award that wow. they're working under. That doesn't seem enough. Not always. Ten minutes after five hours. No, within the, f- the five-hour period. Half hour after five hour. Only once? Only one. Wow. But it, as I said, it depends on the award. So they could be under restaurant award, they could be under retail award. Each mm. has a different 
Um, but they're generally, an employee could be working for four hours straight and not have had a break. So it's important people recognise that as well, that it's a different to an office environment where, as you said, you can well, switch off if you want to switch off, yeah. but if you're facing customer after customer after customer um, and the customers yeah. aren't always pleasant, that can, you know, sort of react and, and create a reaction. I feel bad about what I did in David Jones the other day. <laughs> what did you do? I was that do? old lady. I was so embarrassed with myself. I walked up and I said, could you please put the music down? I'm struggling to think. <laughs> like an old lady. I was so embarrassed. Anyway, <laughs> you've got to remember, oh, no, and I was on a break and that was my mood. Can you imagine the poor person that I was talking to? Are they entitled to ask for extra time if they need it? Absolutely. Is that something that's, they can, yeah. They can ask for extra time if they need it. Um, and again, it depends on the employer um, and most small businesses though struggle because they might not have anyone to cover for them if they take a break. Uh, so, you know, yeah. having a small business myself, you know, we time things so that people can all have a good solid half hour break and have their lunch and go outside and relax. But if uh, it's really, really busy, it makes it very difficult to deliver the quality of service and look after your staff at the same time. Yeah. Marie, your David Jones example, I think, is a good one. And it brings <laughs> the opportunity for me, perhaps, to bring in a bit of a segue into the acclaimed TV series, White Lotus. For anyone who's oh God. listening, yeah, is there a if you like haven't me? watched it, go watch it. It's really um, both funny and sad. And, and I think it makes a lot of us laugh, but also at the same time feel quite uncomfortable with the mirror that it holds up for those of you who haven't seen it. The central themes of it really are about how wealth and the privileged class can afford to behave rather carelessly uh, and the burden that it can place on marginalised groups and the, and the working class. And I think it, it brings me to that notion of spare a thought for those working in retail and hospitality this festive mm. season, particularly when you hear this background that Christine's giving us about... Um, you know, breaks and the ramp up in the amount of work that's going on and and things like that. And Ben, surely it's emotionally draining to always be emotionally on. I don't know, is the word emotionally on? Like, I don't know, the idea for me that I have to have a smile on my face when I've just had a fight with my husband and, uh, you know, I missed a bill and they've cut my internet and I'm, I'm stressed out, but I've got to smile for five hours straight. <laughs> I don't know. I find that, I, I think that would be quite taxing. Very. And I think it highlights that this is another industry like some of the others that we've talked on in this program, like aged care, healthcare, like education. Uh, it's one of those occupations, retail and hospitality, that involve high levels of emotional labour and require high levels of emotional regulation uh, to do well. And I think, Christine, I was thinking about your opening there about uh, smiling and greeting customers well. There's a real art to that. I think it's, in, on the one hand, it seems so fundamental, foundational and easy, but when you know different personality types, um, you see those who do this well and those who don't. I'm thinking about the used car salesman who greets all customers who walk in, this, in the door the very same way with that overly extroverted kind of greeting that works well when 
that sort of interpersonally warm extroverted customer kind of walks in but really can turn the more introverted or different type of customer off when you talk about that training that's given in the hospitality industry in particular does it get down to that level of finesse and then out knowing different customer types and greeting them differently absolutely it really is around um understanding those that you can engage with on a more personal level, have deep conversations with, to those that acknowledge but let them do their own thing because they don't necessarily want to engage. Um, and, and that's changing too. The type of customers are changing. As we enter a more digital age, you find that people want quicker, faster service. They don't necessarily want to get into those long conversations, but we still have some generations that are shopping that do want long conversations and you can't stereotype because it's not a case of a age or a particular profile. Every single person's different and that's the hard part about customer service is you've got to be able to identify through their body language, through their facial expressions of which customers you can engage with on that deeper level and which ones you just provide a service and a quick and fast service to them. I was in JB Hi-Fi the other day, like literally Monday night, because I was avoiding my kid's Christmas concert because it was event number 570 at the school and I was done. And I was having a chat to the to the guy about this new iPad that I wanted to buy. And then he, he at the end of me ranting or just talking, he says to me, um, yeah, look, I just wanted to let you know the shop closed six minutes ago. <laughs> Would you like to come back tomorrow and we can pick this up and I'd like to help you, you know, get this sale done. I'm so sorry, but our, our, our time is up. And he handled it so beautifully and I laughed at myself. Christine, you reminded me when you said some people love a long chat, which I don't normally do, but I seemed to in that moment. And he was quite young and I, and I was thinking to myself about casuals in the workforce. So I worked in retail as a casual when I was studying um, at university many years ago. We were never trained. It was just you go in, here's where you find the stock and here's what you, I don't know if times have changed, said the old lady, but what are the, what about the casual workforce? How do they get, I mean, are we counting on them just having some emotional yeah. intelligence? Are they getting the training they need in, in retail and hospitality jobs? It's a hard one because certainly in the larger hotel trains and retail trains, yes, they do spend money training people on including casuals on how to deal with customer service. But when you're a small business, you don't necessarily have time to do that. And quite often you're hiring very, very junior people. I know, for example, in our own business, we've just put a couple of 14-year-olds on over school holidays. So how do you train a 14-year-old in emotional intelligence? So you've uh. got to sort of be on the job and give them opportunity but at the same time be aware that they're new to it. They don't haven't necessarily been exposed to that type of behaviours necessarily in the past. And so you learn on the job, but it's a case of um, being able to help and coach them along the way. But that takes a lot out of a small business owner. Yeah. So it depends on the type of business that you have. Is it a big retail company? Is it a small um, family-owned business. So that's a, that's the challenge I think the industry has is that we're not just talking about big companies. We're talking about small um, businesses and medium-sized businesses as well. And what have you seen in hospitality and retail? Have Has Genos worked with many clients in that space? Yeah, absolutely. So 
um, you know, a lot of larger companies like Accor, for example, have really engaged in emotional intelligence. They talk about service from the heart and really recognizing um, that it's important to have that emotional connection with customers. Uh, uh, there is um, a, a growing understanding to be a leader. You need to have a, a degree of emotional intelligence. And uh -huh. um, a lot of companies now investing in that to be able to ensure that they've given this, their um, people the right skills. And I also I think there's a lot of schools now starting to implement um, emotional intelligence in their curriculum because they realize that as kids are leaving school, they need to be equipped with this skill set as well. Yeah, I think to add to that, there are three competencies of our model that um, we've seen big hospitality, travel and retail shops really invest in. And those are self-awareness, helping people just understand their own style. And then awareness of others and empathy, how to flex your style to different types of customers. Thus those micro moments that we were talking about before. And on the emotional regulation side, how to really manage emotions, allow a customer to let off a bit of steam, not, not take it so personally, and just hold a professional tone. I think what we've seen added to that more recently, Marie and Christine, particularly around COVID, was also how to be assertive with customers who are not behaving properly. You hear... Um, messages on airlines now about being respectful to all staff and other customers on board. We never used to hear those five or six years ago. We hear them now. Um, you see in a lot of retail shops and even on our ambulances about maintaining respect for the staff and everyone on board. So I think that organisations aren't just doing the training around that stuff, but are also doing sort of organisational design parts. They're woving it, in, winding it into um, processes and into messages and into more symbolic things that the public interact with. Partly, I think, in response to these heightened levels of um, anxiety and abuse and things like that that can happen in our retail and publicly public-facing stores. The other thing I can add is authenticity is becoming more and more important. Because of the talent shortage out there, people are wanting roles that they can be themselves in. And they're looking for employers that allow them to be authentic, but also they want employers, they want leaders who have um, authenticity. Yes, absolutely. And yet there's a finesse again to authenticity, I think. Um, YouTube is full of great examples of flight attendants being authentic in how they read out the safety messages, adding their own little colors, colors and blemishes and uh, authenticity to that in ways that the public really respond positively to. But it's also full of examples where, um, you know, authentic behavior just doesn't really suit the situation and the context well either. And so um, I guess where I'm going with that is there's just a level of finesse to it. And, um, you know, I think training and development and putting... Um, the right mindsets around it can be a really useful thing to do because left on it to its own devices can be sometimes a little bit like a, a market left to regulate itself. It doesn't always work out well. Ben, what could we be doing as a, as a consumer? Like what's, what's our role? I mean, there's the reminders, hey, take it easy, don't abuse us, don't be rough, don't, you know, we're stressed too or whatever that you see in, in stores. 
But what else can we be doing better day to day to make the interactions that these frontline workers have with us more enjoyable? Well, it's a great question and one that I'm going to answer perhaps in a bit of a roundabout way. I think during COVID, there was a real movement, if you like, around what Barbara Fredrickson terms Love 2.0. What her work in this area has shown, as others have, like Susan Pinker and her book, The Village Effect, more recently, the docuseries on Blue Zones on Netflix, is that how we interact with each other on a day-to-day basis at the local shops, at the school gate, and in our workplaces. The quality of those interactions really relates to our own well-being, our own happiness, and our overall longevity. And so where I'm going with this, I think, what can we do? Number one, remind ourselves that the kinder and more friendly we are to others, whether it's saying hello to the postman as he or she drops the letters in your box, or getting to know the local butcher by name, improving the quality of those interactions isn't just a moral thing that we should all do, but it actually has a different imperative. All those little interactions have a lot of the same things that um, close intimate love have. The smiles, the greetings, the interpersonal warmth. And so improving the quality of those things is actually good for our overall health, our happiness and our, our longevity. I know after reading Susan Pinker's book, The Village Effect, I've really, myself, just been more mindful of when I go into shops to be that little bit more engaging, to ask people how their day's been going, to um, thank people for what they do, and just to bring that little bit more kindness to those interactions. They're easy to do when they're reciprocated, Sometimes they can be not so easy to do when they're flippantly tossed, if that makes sense. But nonetheless, sometimes you've got to say to yourself, okay, well, maybe that person wasn't just having the the best day. And you never know what impact that little bit more generosity of spirit in your own interactions Uh, might admit to that person in their next interaction with someone. Yeah. And I guess that's easier to do when you're not dragging kids around a shopping centre who've been nagging you. For hours. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or don't have enough money on your bank card to buy the, the door to the Christmas Thanks. present oh. that you wanted to because yeah. the Reserve Bank's been gouging you with increased interest rates all year, albeit we just got a reprieve uh, just before yeah. Christmas here in Australia. Yeah. But it's so, fascinating that even with the cost of living pressures, we're estimated to spend 10% more over this Christmas period than we did last year. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? I'm trying to spend 10% less, but uh, not. I think it's a losing <laughs> battle. <laughs> yeah, it's and, definitely not easy. Ben, is there a test or an assessment Is there a, or a way that um, hospitality or retail businesses can kind of take the pulse of the level of emotional intelligence in their, cult, in their organization, specifically on the front line? Now, how would I know if I was a manager or I was in HR? How, how would I know? I think, Christine, you might want to shed light on this too, but the whole net promoter score and getting a little bit of feedback, even if it's just from one or two, three questions at the end of a call or at the end of an interaction is one way. And I think probably the biggest indicator that something needs to be done if you're not getting that right sort of feedback. Christine, would you agree with that? Is that something Absolutely, net promoter score. But also today people are so 
um, so open in giving their feedback on digital media. So you just have to keep an eye on your social reviews and that gives you a good sense of how a consumer's feeling. And then from an employee point of view, how are the employees feeling? Um, you know, doing some pulse surveys uh, to assess their satisfaction in the workplace as well gives you an idea. Um, so it's important to look at it from consumer, but also to look at it from the employee's perspective as well. Yeah. And then for people who are people leaders in hospitality or retail, I think having informal and formal conversations with your staff, what are you finding is going well? What do you feel a bit challenged with? Tell me about your interactions. Who are you finding it easy and more difficult to interact with? What are the biggest challenges of the day? I think along any retail or hospitality day, there's opportunities for little five-minute, three-minute powwows like that. And I think just using a scaffold, what's going well, what's being a bit challenging, that would be some of the advice I'd recommend for hotel yeah. and retail store managers. And knowing this is a busy time of the year, the preparation beforehand is essential. So for for leaders to be able to make sure their teams are well prepared with the right tools and equipment to do the job as well, there's nothing worse that you're frustrated because you've got this um, uh, barrage of emotion coming from your customers if you also don't have things working properly in the back of house. So you know, simple things from having enough um, uh, paper to be able to put in your printers to be able to print receipts for the customers. You know, all that little things just being mm. well and truly stocked yeah. up to make life easier from that perspective enables people to be able to deal with any other emotional um, uh, moments that they might have during the day. I'm, that reminds me of a story. The other day I ran into the local sergeant who runs the police station here in my local community and uh, we get talking sometimes about leadership and people management and things like that and uh, I said to this particular person what are the little things you do to keep your staff sane and keep them working well and Christine this person went on to mention little things like what you've just talked about. You know, sometimes when my staff have been out to an incident or to an event that I know has been a bit stressful to them and they come home, I go out and wash their truck for them or their, their police divvy van, if you like. And I do that as a way of just taking that task off their, their job, but also as a way of symbolizing to them that they matter, that I care, and that, um, you know, I'm happy to take away some of the other little menial things that I know just add to a big day when one's already been a big day, if that makes sense. I was really touched by that story. I thought that was um, a really good example of, of good people leadership in an organisation you might not always think of as demonstrating it. What can we learn from retail and hospitality? What can we learn from them and apply just as individuals um, amongst friends and family over this period, you know, for those who may not be feeling as festive as others might? Good question. Personally, and Christine, I hope you don't mind if I jump in first, I'd be interested in some of your your thoughts to that. But the first thing that comes to mind is being a little bit mindful, making sure you're taking an opportunity to rest this festive season, not to get too caught up in all the, the hoo-ha of it, and uh, perhaps to be on the front foot a little bit and 
just be mindful and be thinking of how do I make my interactions just that little bit better? It only takes a couple of minutes, I think, to think about, you know, what's some interesting things I could share or say? How might I inspire a bit of more interesting dinner table conversation around the, the Christmas lunch this year? I think little things like that um, just go for making a better time of it all. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, you know, you know how you feel when you walk into a shop or into a, uh, a restaurant and you're greeted warmly, you're acknowledged, you've got that eye contact. So you feel good. And imagine if you could give that same feeling to your family, your friends, when you meet with them over the Christmas period. So really embracing your family and friends, regardless of what um, disagreements or situations you might have had in the past with them. Christmas is the time to put all that behind and really, you know, make them feel valued. And that's what, you you know, hospitality gives you is that feeling of, of being valued when you go to a a location or a destination, you have a good time, you have a memorable moment, you have a great experience. It's generally because of the people around you have made that um, experience great for you. Do the same with your family, you know, treat them as you would want to be treated yourself and and have that warmth, embracement, um, give them a memorable moment. What what do you do in a situation, you said, you know, Christmas is a time where you put differences aside. Do you acknowledge the difference? How do you just ignore it? So let's let's put a story behind it. Let's say there's a I am not on good terms with my brother, and we had a massive falling out over a over my mum's carer, and we haven't spoken in a couple of months. And here we are at Christmas, and it's hosted by a sibling who's Switzerland. What do you do? Do you acknowledge? Okay, you put your differences aside, but how do you address it? Do you go? Hi, Merry Christmas. Let's just not talk about anything now and then we'll start the war January 2. Like, I don't know. How do you navigate that scenario? I think every context is different and context is so-called king. But having said that, my personal recommendation would be to lean into it and uh, to use the time as an opportunity for healing and to say, hey, that event that happened a couple of months ago wasn't the best. I'm sorry. Let's look at how we don't make that happen again or how we build uh, a better bridge back to where things were prior to it. I think something along those lines, you know, if you are in a situation like that, sharpen up your authentic dialogue skills, get into Google and have a look at how to hold authentic dialogue with people. (laughs) And, um, you know, I think be future focused and action oriented and, and, um, you know, a little bit of humility and apology can sometimes go a long way, even if you don't feel like it needs to come from or be led from you. I think sometimes we've got to step above that and be cognizant of the bigger picture. Like Michelle Obama said, when they go low, we go high, right? Yeah. Was that her line? I think so. But what about you, Christine? What is your thought? I, I think uh, I agree. And one of the things that you said is um, you may not think the conversation should be led by you. And that's what my experience has been in the past is often when two people are in that situation each is waiting for the other person to give in or to start the conversation I it's not my fault that we're in this situation they need to apologize to me or they need to you know take that first step well no you know equal equal parts in this you take the first steps if you want a resolution if you want to um, think about it as if 
if this was the last time you were going to see that person, what would be the interaction you would want? And, you know, you don't want it to be a negative one. You want it to be a positive one. Then take that first step. Be the the um, the bigger person. Be the, the more, um, you know, aware and take that moment. The other thing that I'm thinking about as you speak, Christine, and, and these questions, Marie, that you're come, coming to us with, I think this is a great time of the year for small gifts, for um, meaningful people, uh, in our lives, whether it be um, the butcher or the postman or the person who picks up your rubbish, you know, um, small gifts uh, and little gestures, you know, just go that little bit further, don't they, of, of saying thanks to people. And I think about the art of giving thanks and writing little cards that go with that gift that say something specific to the person that's meaningful to you and the interaction. Being specific, making it personalised, and um, in providing those little gestures in the forms of gifts can be a really nice thing to do for some people in community, particularly for those we know who might be a little bit lonely or a little bit feeling left out this Christmas. On the on the topic of loneliness, what about people who you know are grieving or who might be away from their families? So I've got a couple of my really close friends who both lost a parent in the last 12 months. Um, how, I mean, it's a little bit awkward, isn't it, when everyone's feeling festive and, and popping up bottles of wine. Like how, again, do you do you upfront say, look, I know this time really sucks for you, but let's here have some Sauvignon Blanc. Like how do you navigate that? I think like Christine was saying before, it's leading from the front. They wait for them to ask you whether they can come. You know, I think... If you know somebody might be having Christmas Day on their own, uh, reach out and invite them in, but do it in a way that's a bit sensitive, um, Marie, as you're alluding to, I think. Hmm. I agree. You know, um, working in hospitality, quite often you're working on Christmas Day, you're working uh, when everyone else is partying, you've got groups of families around you, you're serving them on Christmas Day uh, and you're away from your own family and you could be you know, overseas or you could be in another state and you don't have the opportunity to spend time with your family. So it's really important to reach out to other people around you if you're working in hospitality. Many a times we did orphan uh, Christmases so that you could connect with other people on that day. Um, But it is a hard time, especially when you have lost uh, loved ones around that time of the year. Um, or it's the first year that you have a Christmas without a parent or yeah. um, someone in the family. And, you know, I've been through that myself. It's really, really tough. Um, but you get through it through being around other people and and um, that are sensitive to the way that you feel. So be the other person and be sensitive and, and reach out to somebody who, who might need it. Sage advice. Thank you so much. And one of the benefits of hosting this with um, Ben is AI get free psychology, you know, free uh, counselling, which is wonderful. Thank you, Ben. And I also get to meet so many of his wonderful colleagues. It was lovely to meet you. Thank you so much, Christine, for coming on. Thank you. And for sharing those insights. Happy holidays. Oh, my pleasure. Yes. Thank you, Christine. And I hope you have, Anne Marie, let you both have a great festive season. And to all our listeners out there, thank you for being a part of our EI at Work podcast this year. Uh, We wish you a very happy festive season and a very happy new year. 
and we look forward to delivering some other interesting talks and dialogues with you in the show in 2024.